listening to The 10 Podcast, the discovery and design channel in health. Tune in with me, your host Matt Patterson, to learn about insights from the world of healthcare today. So good morning, everybody. It's really brilliant to be able to invite Nozaman uh, Rashid, the Chief Executive of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors, to the podcast this morning. I know that the ergonomics group he runs and is the Chief Executive of have been invited to input onto lots of things recently. I'm sure he's a very busy man with ventilators and with uh, design of hospitals. Um, so good morning. Good morning, Nozeman. Um, it'd be great to find out a little bit more about you, the Chartered Institute, and, and what you're doing at the moment. Hi, Matt, and thanks very much for uh, asking me to participate in this podcast. Uh, well, I'm Nozeman. I'm Nozeman Rashid. I've been doing the job of uh, Chief Executive of the Chartered Institute for Ergonomics and Human Factors for about six months now. Uh, My own background is in management consulting across the public and uh, private sector. I do have a lot of uh, public service and healthcare expertise as well, which is fantastic in this particular moment. I've worked with maybe 30 or so um, membership bodies over the last 20 years. But in terms of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. For those that don't know, it was founded in 1949 and is the founder of the International Ergonomics Association, which has 50 other national membership uh, bodies. Um, We are a chartered professional body. We are concerned with the development and promotion of our discipline and profession. We do this through the development of standards for different levels of membership right up to chartered ergonomists, which is considered the highest level of our profession. Um, Really importantly, we work with allied professional bodies and industry to promote application of human factors and ergonomics. Somebody asked me to explain what our vision was to them recently, and I said, look, you know, integrated design to improve life, well-being, and system performance is our vision. And we achieve this through um, science, through engineering, technology, and psychology. Over the next five years, our key strategy is to focus on the future human uh, for our discipline, i.e. what are the human factors issues arising over the next five years. So the future human is a really interesting concept because we're all having to sit at home and ask ourselves a bit about that and our lives and the things we took as took for granted, I guess, before coronavirus and COVID-19 came in. In these challenging times, there must be a real high demand on, on human factors understanding. What are you being asked to work on in, in terms of the, the, the humour for today? The Institute has been approached by a plethora of hospitals, individual clinicians, the NHS, and even manufacturers of ventilators. In anticipation of this, the Institute has set up 
a COVID-19 webpage, which we uh, can make accessible to people, to one, volunteer, and one, to um, basically ask for help. Uh, the website uh, address, if you don't mind my sharing it, is covid19.ergonomics.org.uk forward slash. The website itself provides specific information, but it also has a portal for human factors and ergonomists who want to volunteer help. And just as importantly, anyone wanting human factors help can register a request with us, which is dealt with pretty much immediately. Um, some of the examples of requests that we've had over recent weeks um, include, for example, the NHS asking us to put forward guidance for rapid design and manufacture of ventilators. Uh, we produce some guidance that's been circulated to all of the manufacturers by Innovate UK and the MHRA, the Medical Health Regulatory and Products Authority. In addition to this, Matt, we released a usability testing protocol that manufacturers can use. In essence, they're trying to develop these things rapidly and we've produced a protocol that means they can do the testing um, basically in 24 hours that meets the minimum standard. We've got London Nightingale Hospital working with us. Several members are there assisting on projects. Right now we're looking for two human factors specialists to work on the ground, contributing to systems improvement. Um, on, I think that We've got them in the, the process, so other people coming forward. I'm sure other hospitals will be asking for similar support. Our allied professional bodies have approached us too. Uh, they want to collaborate and coordinate advice on PPE. And these organisations include the Royal College of Nursing, uh, the British Occupational Hygiene Society and more. As a result of this, Matt, we've released a series of podcasts in response to COVID-19. The second episode, which we were talking about earlier, uh, addresses issues around fatigue, the implications of fatigue. And the third one we'll issue soon, will look at psychological issues during this pandemic and the longer term uh, items. So this is just a few ideas of the things that A, we're doing, and B, people are asking us to help on. So there's a real holistic requirement there in terms of human factors. It's always been a very broad topic in terms of the things it covers. And you really see under COVID-19 and coronavirus challenges how everything from the elemental, the medical device, the individual experience, the system, the service design, all comes together under one big, quite wicked challenge. With, do you say that there's, there's an opportunity for people to help at, as you're looking for two ergonomists, human factor specialists at the Nightingale Hospital in London, is that at the moment? And, and would they be people who'd be working on the ground floor, um, helping, or uh, will, would, could people chip in virtually as well? What's the situation in relation to that? Um, we've got an expert panel we've created of uh, clinicians, human factors people, medics etc who are working remotely looking at guidance and commenting on guidance we're creating and advice um, there are people working remotely on projects for the nightingale hospital but actually in the case of the london nightingale hospital we are looking for two people who can observe who can work and interview 
uh, clinicians, nurses, etc., at the end of a shift to identify procedures that need to be altered, systems that need to be changed, and then rapidly feeding that into a learning uh, process. Interesting. I'm sure there's some people out there who'd like to respond to that challenge. Uh, I'm sure over the coming days you'll get some really good response in relation to that. If we go a little bit deeper into medical devices, I, I'm sure uh, all of our listeners will have heard of the ventilator challenge and they'll have seen big, well-known blue chip manufacturers and F1 racing teams responding. How does the human factors uh, community or how have they, how, how, how has human factors been built into those ventilator designs and what have been the critical parts of it uh, from a human factors point of view yeah matt we're living in and working in a crisis right now so everything we do concerning the pandemic needs to take into account the environment we're working in and the conditions uh, and quite importantly everything we do has to be done quickly and is under pressure a good example, as you've mentioned, is the designing of ventilators um, for rapid manufacture. Uh, our main concern as an institute was the fact that many manufacturers have no healthcare background and have no background or expertise in the construction of medical devices. And so um, we decided to put together some guidance for them. In the normal design process, we look at considering things like the users the environment tasks and the risks that lead to things like uh, the influence instructions for use the ventilator user interface and training right now ventilators have been used in extremely pressurized environments by people who may be novice clinicians not just experienced clinicians who will be covered from head to toe in um, PPE, making them less dexterous than usual. Even their visibility may be compromised if they wear spectacles and have to wear goggles and a visor. In essence, the human factors issues are considerable. Our discipline is about helping to design out, I think, any possible human errors to minimize incidents, uh, that could make things go wrong and, sh and ensure the usability of the devices is optimised. Ventilators are used on people who are very, very ill and when they are applied, a person needs to be put to sleep. Um, ventilators can cost up to £30,000 a unit. They can have up to 700 parts in them. They have microchips that help to regulate oxygen flow between the patient, the machine, and the oxygen. So very complex devices with many different human factors issues uh, to be considered. That's really interesting. And, and it gets me thinking of where these ventilators live. They live in intensive care units, and there have been many, much an extension of those. And they've been dealt with with clinicians who, as you say, are working in multiple layers of PPE and working longer shifts in different ways with different kind of patients. It comes across that it's a really big uh, system design challenge, maybe a system design challenge that I've not seen before, maybe we've not seen for many years, perhaps ever. How, how you get the full, uh, a full perspective of this, how, how is it being seen and dealt with as, as a system as well as the elements of things like ventilators and PPE? Well, Matt, of course, lots of uh, human factors professionals and clinicians who are trained in human factors are now saying, look, we said you needed to look at a system here, not just a specific issue. I think as a 
group of people as a profession we are already right now looking at the system design issues and learning we can extract from this pandemic to inform practice to inform policy making and learning for the future the way we work has been basically disrupted uh, there are innovations that may change the way we work forever a good example of this is um, why does it take so long to redesign or implement a procedure well during the COVID-19 pandemic we're learning new ways of identifying new procedures to implement rapidly whilst taking into consideration the safety issues so um, we might not be able to address everything during this crisis but certainly there are researchers and academics around us that are pulling out the learning and we will be discussing this a lot more in the coming months. It seems there's, there's real opportunities for innovation within the way we do work as human factor specialists as well. But what about the broader public health issue and human factors potentially in the long run? Well, there's no doubt in my mind that human factors issues have surfaced significantly in a very wide range of issues across the health and social care ecosystem, if I might put it that way. Occupational health practitioners, occupational medicine professionals, right down to the white collar worker setting up a home office safely are beginning to recognize terms like human factors and ergonomics through the discussions about physical and psychological well-being. The time I think is right for our profession to influence public policy and thinking across the wider public health and we are beginning to do that through the um, collateral that we're developing through podcasts, webinars and guidance notes. It is going to be a new feature, I think, of the Institute's work, how we influence the broader society, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of consideration we see obviously today is for the emergency, but for the mental health and long-term rehabilitation that all of us will have, I guess, in some way or shape or form, will be key to this. How will human factors help in the sort of cognitive mental health side of things well you know there's um, a lot of talk about the stress that uh, people are undergoing whether you're working in an acute patient setting or in the back office in a hospital or whether you're working from home etc living in more difficult circumstances with family the elderly or children there is a lot of evidence of uh, phone lines for Samaritans, care lines um, being used by the population. I think that um, all allied professions are going to have to look at well-being and the issues that uh, are associated with that. As a profession, this is a challenge for us and we need to get together with other professionals to create some definitive guidance. There are lots of people out there giving support on well-being, mental health issues, etc. But they've ha they have no training or qualifications for selling human factors issues, but they are doing. And so there's a gap there, and we need to fill it. We've just had the extension last night, uh, 
committed to for another three weeks before they review where we are in relation to when we hit the peak of the curve and when we might expect to slowly come back out into society. If we were to speak in a month from now, where do you think we may be from everything you've seen, I guess, from the month that's gone before? Well, from the Institute's perspective, Matt, I'd like to be able to report some of the very positive impacts we're making uh, as a profession to hospitals and elsewhere, helping individuals. Um, if we're extremely fortunate as a country, I think we will be discussing how different phases of an exit from the lockdown should be working and for how much longer we need to maintain social distancing without a vaccine being available. However, I do feel we all need to be patient because whilst curves go up and down, they have a tendency to bounce upwards if we're too relaxed on things like social distancing and the lack of testing. The biggest nightmare, of course, for all of us, um, working or not working or furloughed, is um, continuing to manage psychologically the number of people that are dying and, quite frankly, the looming recession uh, that the country faces and as does the rest of the world. Yes, there's some... There's some challenging times here today and definitely some challenging times ahead. If we were summing up for our audience about the key contributions that ergonomists and human factor specialists can make today, uh, and maybe they could find out how they could help for them and access support from one, uh, what, would your, what would your summary be in relation to that? Matt, I think if we've got human factors or ergonomics professionals out there who want to support or assist um, people working in healthcare, social care systems, or indeed support the work that the Institute's doing in response to COVID-19, visit um, our website and register uh, your details, the expertise you bring to it and we will be in contact with those people uh, almost immediately i'd also ask people to share on linkedin and on our twitter account which is at c-i-e-h-f uh, any of these developments that we're pushing out brilliant uh, i certainly will be doing that in my audience uh, and as a chartered uh, human factor specialist myself it's great to be a member of such a committed community um, if I had, I ask all my guests this, if I had a magic wand and I could give the human factors community anything to help us through in relation to their professional work with COVID-19, what would you wish for? Well, I'm wishing that uh, organisations actually look at human factors as a part of their business and service planning and build it into their risk management, which would enable our members who are professionally qualified, well-trained, either working in other organisations or registered consultancies, to actually come and support them uh, in human factors related uh, activities. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and taking time out at the moment. I know you're so busy uh, with all this work going on in the hospitals and with ventilators and all the other broader systemic considerations where we as a community can chip into. So thank you, Nisman, for your time this morning. Thank you for coming on the show. And it's my pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. We'll speak to you again soon.
that was Nuzman Rashid, the chief executive of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors. It was great to see the work they're doing across a wide spectrum of areas in relation to COVID-19. And I look forward to keeping in touch and coming back in a while to see how things are going with them. Um, if you would like to come on the podcast, please do, as always, email us at hello at weare10.co.uk and come on and talk about your speciality and how you're involved in the coronavirus crisis. Remember to socially distance, stay at home, uh, stay well. Thinking of you all this weekend, uh, whether you're working on the front line, thank you for all your hard work, whether you're staying home and stopping the spread of COVID-19, thank you for your hard work too. And thank you for following us on the podcast and please continue to do so and share the podcast to others if you think they may be interested. Uh, until next time on the podcast, goodbye.